You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in Central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest-growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. Really what law school does is it changes how your brain works. I mean, it really changes the way that you approach problems and how you think about things. So that type of critical thinking applies in any context. It's just, I think, you have to kind of think through, what do I actually want to do with this? You know, and how am I going to use this type of thinking in my future role? From Columbus Business First, it's Women of Influence, an interview series showcasing some of the most inspiring women in the Central Ohio business community. Sarah Perez, managing partner at Columbus Law Firm Perez Morris, says law school is the right path for someone who actually wants to practice law. That might seem obvious, but talk to enough lawyers and you'll hear plenty who discourage following in their footsteps. During a recent visit to our office, Perez talked about her own journey into the law and who she would not recommend the field to. We also covered balancing family and business and fictional TV lawyers, among other things. Here's our conversation. All right. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> Have you been on a podcast before? I think just one other time. Okay. It was related to the Overcomer Foundation, a nonprofit that I'm involved with. Okay. So, but not often, that's all for right. sure. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll do great. So how did Sarah choose the law? It all had to do with one impactful mentor. I might not have known, actually, until I started law school. <laughs> but it really wasn't anything on my radar. I was in college. I was a Spanish major at Ohio State in college. And I had a great internship downtown Columbus with Franklin County Commissioner Paula Brooks. She was a wonderful mentor when I was in school. And I think she was actually the very first person to ever say, have you ever thought about law school? I was really just doing some research projects for her and like truly just interning in her office. And so I think her just planting that seed made me research, you know, what skills make a lawyer successful, you know? And my search revealed it was, you know, research, writing, analytical thinking, you know, being comfortable with public speaking, all of those kinds of things. And I thought, well, you know, this might actually be something that I'm interested in. So I went ahead and took the LSAT that fall and applied. And I guess the rest is kind of history. But once I got into law school, I really did enjoy it. So Uh I feel like in terms of educational experience, law school was probably my favorite period of school. Mm -hmm. I found it really, really interesting and challenging. It pushed me out of my comfort zone, taught me to be more of an advocate and more assertive and a different way of thinking. So I come from a family of lawyers who spend most of their time discouraging people from becoming lawyers. <laughs> well, so I, I like that you have a more positive outlook. Do you encourage other people who ask you to go? So to it's school? funny. You know, I get that question a lot. I know my husband, who's also a lawyer, gets that a lot. He's in a business role, and I'm in a more traditional law firm, you know, setting. 
I think people should be lawyers if that's what they pursue a law degree, if that's what they think they want to do. So I think a lot of times people pursue a law degree, but really want to maybe go into business or they want to do something different. And that's not the worst thing in the world, but you know, there are cheaper ways to get that done and maybe less difficult ways to get that done. But that, and then I guess that said, really what law school does is it changes how your brain works. I mean, it really changes the way that you approach problems and how you think about things. So that type of critical thinking applies in any context. It's just, I think, you have to kind of think through what do I actually want to do with this you mm-hmm. know, and how am I going to use this type of thinking in my future role. Think about if you want to make that kind of financial investment and what you actually want to do because it may not be worth it mm-hmm. You know, if you want to choose a different path. I mean, certainly a valuable skill set. But when we graduated law school, it was right in the middle of the recession. And we were in New York. I went to Hofstra for law school. And so I had an offer from a mid-sized law firm. And that tier seemed to fare a little bit better. But a lot of my students, my peers, had job offers from large law firms in New York. And they just, across the board, got rescinded. Mm -hmm. So people had signed on expensive leases and done all of these things in anticipation of having these high salaries. And then they had nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I think those of us who graduated in that time take a little bit, maybe a more conservative view toward the expense of law school. But it's a great education, really, that you can apply to anything, mm-hmm. I think. Although she went to law school in New York, Sarah quickly found her way back to Ohio. I didn't even take the New York bar. I actually took the Ohio bar. So I'm licensed in Ohio and Florida. But Ohio, because I met my husband in law school and he grew up in Columbus. And so, again, graduating in the recession, he had been... He was a year ahead of me in law school. So he already actually started working as an attorney for Nationwide. Mm -hmm. And so he had a great job, loved Nationwide. And so when I graduated, a spot opened up at Perez Morris. And so my father-in-law, John, said, you know, if you'd like to come work for the firm, you can come and do that. And so it worked out great. Then we both had jobs that were secure. And so we made the move from New York back to Ohio. Less than a decade after returning to Ohio, Sarah took over as managing partner of the firm. It was a gradual transition and one that involved working closely with her father-in-law. So can you talk a little bit about that transition? When did you start thinking that this was the path, and how did you navigate the professional, (laughs) personal there? I'm not sure that I ever really, like, thought that that would be the path. I think it's kind of organically how it happened. So maybe even as early as 2015 or 2016, you know, John and I had had a lot of discussion about what he wanted his legacy to be. Like, if if he could reach even 15 or 20 years into the future, like what would he want or hope that had continued on, you know, even after he had transitioned from the firm. And so I think those conversations probably slowly started the ball rolling toward what that might look like then for me to step in and, you know, for him to start to step back into something else, which is really kind of where we where we landed. So we worked with a great corporate psychology, organizational psychology firm called Matrix, and they have really helped assess several of our attorneys across the firm to try to understand what pieces of the puzzle, like new leadership, what what we would each fill in terms of pieces of that puzzle. And so I was, you know, identified as someone who could lead the firm. So we just kind of kept going. I mean, it was like one foot in front of one front of the other. And then the timing just worked out that I would step in around 2018. I really started leading the firm, but almost like co-leading with John. And of course, his partner, Troy Morris, was also still involved in some of that management and leadership. So we all kind of worked together. But then by 2019, you know, John, from an operational and a management perspective, had started to step back. I would say the most challenging part of the entire transition was that 2018 time period when we were working, kind of doing the same job. 
but we're very different people. Mm. So like when John founded the firm, his kids were in high school. My, you know, my husband was in high school and when I started leading, my kids were like five, three, and five months. And I had a, a full-time working spouse. We just had a very different dynamic and way that we were approaching things. Also, I think generationally and just gender-wise, we were very different. Mm-hmm. So had different approaches maybe to how we thought we could best manage. And so when you put those, it's not even like, you know, from a values perspective, which I think is most important, we've always been spot on aligned. You know, I think we want the same things for the firm we care so much about the people. We want to make sure it's a vehicle for investing in the community. Those pieces are like the things, and that's really probably the most important part. It was more just how our management style. And so when we were doing the job at the same time together, we were just like stepping on each other's mm-hmm. toes and it was really tough. But once I think he gained the trust that I could do it, and once I got confident enough that I had seen, you know, how to manage cash flow and, you know, how to cut the checks and do all these things and deal with HR issues. I mean, that's a big part of my job is just to kind of make sure everyone's taken care of and, you know, we're doing the right thing by our employees. So once I think we both kind of got confidence that I could do it, he started slowly stepping back and things became a lot easier Mm -hmm. from a transition perspective. Well, and what does your job look like today? How much are you still really practicing law and how much are you, you know, running this organization? That's a good question. I definitely spend more of my time running the firm. I think some of that naturally occurred because we've had a series of acquisitions over the last several years that have taken quite a bit of time in terms of integration and just getting things going. I hope to get back to a greater percentage of practice because I really do love the practice of law. But I spend a lot of my day, yes, on management things, checking in with my managing attorneys in our other offices. So at the time that I started leading, we had a small office in the New York City metropolitan area, just a couple of lawyers. And then in 2019, so soon thereafter, we opened our Philadelphia office and brought a practice group over and that kind of gave us New Jersey and then an attorney that also practices in Connecticut and Massachusetts. And then in 2021, we expanded in that suburban Philadelphia market with an acquisition. And then in 2022, we did the same thing in Cleveland. Wow. So in the last like four and a half years or so, we've doubled in our size. So it's required a lot of, uh, probably a lot more like integration and culture management and change management and all of that. And also just scaling up. You know, we've made some major investments into IT. We've really worked on diverse recruiting and retention for our attorneys. That's something that's very important to us. And then, you know, obviously with adding those attorneys, our client base has grown. So we have many more invoices and things flowing through our system. So to just all of that, like scaling up, I think has taken a lot more Mm -hmm. attention than it might (laughs) at some point when the growth slows down. But yeah, I mean, I still spend, I definitely still spend at least a chunk of my time practicing law. And another piece of that in working with clients on just relationship management, you know, how are things going? What can we be doing better? What do you love? What do you don't love? And Mm -hmm. making sure that everybody's like fulfilling expectations at the level of quality that we would want them to. So. Mm Thank you for answering my very long question there. That's <laughs> okay. been a lot of growth here yes. in the last couple of years. What did the future years look like? Do you yeah. expect to continue growing by acquisition or what's kind of the plan? Yeah, I mean, I think we certainly have our eyes out there. Each of these opportunities were not just like where we were out seeking other firms. You know, it was relationships that had been built over a very long time. And so we had great confidence that 
the values of those firms or those practice groups really strongly aligned with the values that we had. And it just was like the right timing for them to kind of come into the fold. But certainly, I mean, opportunities like that, we would love to continue to grow. I think having sort of younger leadership has allowed us to become a succession plan for some of the smaller firms that maybe don't have that internally, but really want to take care of their people and make sure that their clients continue to be cared for. So I think that's been sort of a sweet spot for us in terms of finding opportunities to combine because we can facilitate some of that transition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Sometimes Sarah does still take on legal questions, though. We chatted a bit about her favorite areas of focus. I typically get involved in our more complex commercial litigation matters, and my background really from the time that I started practicing has been employment. So for many years, I led our employment group and still really do. We have other attorneys now as we've grown that practice in that on a day-to-day basis, but I also do just a lot of commercial litigation, federal court, state court litigation Mm -hmm. if if I'm practicing. Mm -hmm. Not every lawyer I chat with is as pop culture obsessed as I am. Luckily, Sarah was ready for my next question. What is your favorite fictional yeah. legal show or <laughs> drama or presentation? I loved The Good Wife. Oh, God, God I'm so <laughs> sorry. I've been talking about The Good Wife like all week for a variety of different reasons. Yesterday, we had some news related to Michael J. Fox, and I was like thinking about it all day today. I was like, I should watch The Good Wife tonight. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad that you got it. I was it like, up. <laughs> yes, I was ho- very hooked on The Good Wife. That was a binge watch for me. Yeah. <laughs> Have you watched The Good Fight? at all. No. You know, the spinoff with Christine Briansky. Yeah, Peter. I haven't watched that. Yeah, I watched a little bit of the first season. It wasn't quite the same. No. It's a little bonkers. So, <laughs> did you feel like The Good Wife's presentation of law was accurate? I think of big law. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to, to a degree. I mean, of course, we always, as lawyers, when we see people in the courtroom, we're like, okay, you could never do that. Like, you know, yeah. there are rules that they don't abide by in the television uh-huh. world. <laughs> well, and the pace of the cases <laughs> yes. all going to trial, with, but also like it happening so I think quickly. the depiction, though, of the amount of like time and effort that it takes, especially in the big law space, mm-hmm you know, to be a good associate attorney and to meet those obligations and expectations, that was probably pretty accurate. I was very inspired when they kind of went out on their own and started their own practice in yeah. office. I thought that was a cool part of the mm-hmm. whole show. And, you know, I found it funny just probably timing wise because of where I was in my succession to transition, just some of the like issues they faced and things yeah. that we're talking about. Not that I practice in that area, but there was some alignment there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was fun. It yeah, was that, that season four or whatever when they're, that's definitely the best, I feel like. Like the literal episode when they leave is so good. Yeah. And then all yeah. the stuff about setting up the I firm. think that was probably my favorite part. Yeah. 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 Right. Sorry for the good wife spoilers from six years ago, y'all. Anywho, back to Sarah's real life firm. Is your team pretty much in the office now or do you mm. do some remote work? What does that look yeah, like? Yeah, so today? I would say we have flexibility. Most of our attorneys are in most of the week, but more by choice. I mean, I like to see everybody at least three days a week, but we have a lot, including me, that are in pretty much every day, mm-hmm. unless something's going on, like, a, you know, a contractor at home or whatever, where we need to be home. Our staff is also in. We just found it facilitates great communication. It makes it a little bit, it's kind of the way we were accustomed to working. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely now more flexibility where if something comes up, certainly anyone in the firm can take their laptop and go work from anywhere that they need to. But generally speaking, I think we like to be around each other and we you know, like to collaborate. And so I'm happy that that part of our culture kind of remained even mm-hmm. after everyone. I would say we're, we have a heightened amount of flexibility, but for the most part, I see everybody 
at some point throughout yeah. the week, which is really nice. So how many hours a week is Sarah working? You might know this better than some, although maybe not if you're billing, if you're not billing them all, but how many hours a week are you working? Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Also, we'll give it the old 40 plus. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of times I feel like people are like, oh gosh, I don't know, but I feel like a lawyer would have reason to know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess that's true. Yeah. Billables, I guess, are slightly different than yeah. the time that you're actually in the office, but you know, full days and then in the evenings as I need to, usually after the kids go to bed. But I wouldn't say that that's all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, we Mm -hmm. definitely try to strike the right balance. And, you know, I tell our people too, like, you need to get sleep, you need to eat, you need to work out. Like, you know, this shouldn't be something where you are burning the candle at both ends Mm -hmm. seven days a week. Like that's just, then we're doing something wrong. Like we need to reallocate your workload or Mm -hmm. do something. So I try to be an example of that, but we work hard. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, taking care of ourselves and understanding what we need to do to stay in the right frame of mind, I think is really important. So, mm-hmm. We know she's a fan of The Good Wife, but given that show hasn't been on the air in a few years, I asked Sarah about other ways she unwinds after a stressful week. Like probably at least half of the people in the United States, I don't know, we got a Peloton in 2020 and like we intentionally have it in our room so that we can't just walk by it or forget that it's down in the basement or whatever. So I definitely try to get some activity every day. I think that's been really important for stress management. Mm -hmm. I also try to listen to something, like just something to like grow, even if it's 20 or 30 minutes. It helps me think about things in a different way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like whether it's a podcast or I'm very into Blinkist right now, there's summaries of different books in different oh. areas. And so I'll just like throw one of them on because I think sometimes when I'm most stressed, I'm not seeing a way out or, you know, what the next step is. And that helps broaden my thinking a little bit, even if it's a little bit, you know, if it's different or not necessarily, I'm like, oh, that's interesting, you know, Mm -hmm. and want to, maybe if I approached it this way. So, and then I think also just community is so important. Like, you know, I have such a great group of friends and, you know, family around and just like seeking community is for me, like I'm more extroverted. Mm -hmm. And so that is a way for me to just kind of like check out from the stress of the day and Mm -hmm. just spend time with people that I care about. Mm -hmm. So. Although Sarah had already shared her thoughts on law school, I wasn't done picking her brain. I asked her to share her best advice. I think be open to opportunity. And then when it comes, like really explore it and give it your all to see if it's something that's for you. I think sometimes women especially just get scared. You know, something, a door may open and they may feel like they don't know enough about it or they don't have the qualifications. And I say, go for it. Like try it on in the dressing room. If it doesn't work, you can always adjust, but you don't know. Like I think some of the best opportunities that I've had are things that I never, that were not on my radar. I mean, even my journey to law school was like never even on my radar. And so sometimes people will plant seeds or open doors for you. And I think I would tell my younger self to more confidently step through them and try it and see how it goes. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but of course within that you have to work hard and, you know, Be smart and learn and kind of be a sponge, but don't let fear keep you from like going through that Mm -hmm. opportunity door. Terrific. Nice full circle there. (laughs) Talking about your journey. Well, awesome, Sarah. I think that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me. me. This is great. And thanks so much to all of you for joining us as well. If you are not already, then follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll be notified about each episode as it's released. Another huge thank you to Sarah Perez for joining us. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First, and this has been Women of Influence.